Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's Word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact their word for Christ. So here is what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Our faith life is important and we've looked at the first preparation. We're not looking at seasonal preparation. And the reason why seasonal preparation is very important is because it equips and empowers our faith to fulfill destiny. One of the things that has been offered to us in Christ is a destiny. Say, I have a destiny in Christ. Say that one more time. Say, I have a destiny in Christ. You are not a creature of chance. The fact you were born into this world was a divine plan. No, as far as God is concerned, don't allow the way men treat men to confuse you. God does not treat men the way men treat men. Did you hear what I said? Let me review that. God does not see men the way God sees men. People can treat you because of the physical history they have about you, your experiences, your connection. Who do you know? What do you have? Where do you work? People treat you with that because it's based on what they can see and physically relate with. But God does not treat men the same. God treats you because there's a destiny over your life. Did you hear what I said? So we said there's a destiny over my life. And, and I said something in the first service, because many of us do not know that we have a destiny in Christ, we're looking for relevance in other places. We're looking for relevance by joining one social club in the, you know, in the expectation that it will give us prominence, it will give us importance, it will give us connection, they will now begin to look at us as among the big boys and all kinds of um, human accolades. That's why people do what they do. People go and join women meeting. They join men meeting. They join clubs. All for relevance. But I said this, that the day you discover that there is a destiny over your life, your perspective approach to life will change. Because you realize you are not a mistake. You are not a born mistake walking through life to die as a mistake. No. There is a destiny over your life. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 says, God who saved us, called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before the world began. One of the truths you must understand and discover in your lifetime is that God has a destiny over your life. Say, I hear you. Say, God has a destiny over my life. And it's important you understand the structure of God's purpose. How it works. Because if you do not understand it, your selfishness will corrupt it in your life. Your selfishness will corrupt it in your life. It is possible to take what is divine and corrupt it in the way you respond to it. And you need to be very careful. Nehushtan is a good example. Have you heard the word Nehushtan before anybody? You know what Nehushtan is? 
Nehushtan is the abused name that was given to a divine process, one thing that was once a move of God. If you remember when Moses was leading the children of Israel in the wilderness, something happened to them. Because of their rebellion towards God and his prophet, snakes began to bite them. Did you remember that encounter? Yeah. And as he was biting them, some of them were dying. So they cried to God. When they cried to God, Moses cried to God. And God said, okay, make a brazen serpent, which was a type of the death of Jesus. That serpent was a symbol of sin that Jesus will become for humanity, that when he takes our sin, we can take his righteousness. And he said to the people, look at the snake, which was a symbol of faith, that if you believe on the sacrifice of Jesus, you'll be saved. Say, so look on the serpent. As many that looks on the serpent, if they were beaten, they will be healed. And if they were not beaten, if they look at the serpent, they will receive health or immunity against the serpent bite. And that was how God delivered them. History passes 400 years later. There were this group of followers among the children of Israel. It's as if they passed it from one generation to another generation. And their sense of religious zeal that lacks accuracy in the knowledge of God overtook them. And they turned that serpent into an idolatry. So they created a spot in the temple where they kept that brazen serpent and they were worshipping it. So if it's our day now, you can call it the club of uh, brazen serpent. Worshipping. So, do you know the serpent? Oh, you don't know the serpent? Come and join our club, we will tell you. This serpent is the serpent that God told Moses to make. And as Moses made the serpent, now the serpent was just a tool. Everybody say a tool. God will walk through tools. But your attention should be on God and not the instrument. Is that clear? But they made it an idolatry of the tool that God used, which was supposed to communicate a message of the coming Savior. They missed the point, And their selfishness took a hold of what God was trying to teach them and brought their own version of what they wanted to hear, and they missed God. That is what many of us have done to the subject of purpose. There are all kinds of, uh, and, and if you're not very careful, you're going to come out with statements that will begin to fight against your faith. Let me give you an example. And I noticed Jesus never said that. How many of you have heard people say, it's not how long you live, it's how where you live. Have you heard that before? How many of you know that that sounds very nice? But it's not scriptural. In the provision of redemption, there is longevity and there's quality. It is not you that wrote it. God says, with long life, I was satisfied. Is it you? Ask me now. Ask me. Is it you that wrote it? It's not. God says, with long life, I will satisfy you and show. So with your match, you're killing yourself now. It's not how long I live. It's not how long I live. It's how well I live. Okay, no problem. You can die before your time. That's why you need to be careful. You need to process what you hear with truth or you begin to run with error that will sound really intelligently nice to your ear but it will begin to eat at your faith. Am I making any sense? Do you understand that? In God's order, you are to live a quality life and a good duration life. Say amen. amen. If you want to die early, there's no problem. You can die. We'll see you later. Okay? But God has a provision of long life. If you don't take it, it's your problem. But it's available. Say amen. amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't just because we want to sand, you know, boom. You know, you call boom. I want to sound very big, big, big. Just say one thing like that. Eh. Jesus is our model. Say amen. amen. Who is our model? Jesus. Who is our example? Jesus. 
If you can't see it in him, in his lifestyle, in his principle, in his precept, then you don't need it. Say amen. amen. All right, so be careful. Hallelujah. All right, so we said we have a destiny in God. And, and, and the structure of God's purpose, and I explained for the purpose of illustration, that is broken down into the primary purpose in Christ and what? Secondary purpose in Christ. What did we say the primary purpose in Christ? To be what? Conform into the image of Christ. To become like Christ in character. We are like him in our spirit, but we have to grow into that awareness in our soul, in our mind, in our soul, I mean, I mean sorry, in our mind, emotion, and will, and also in our flesh or in our body. But to bring the holiness of God, we're carrying our spirit into our soul and into our body. We're supposed to think like Jesus. That's what the Bible said in Ephesians, Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. What is the mind of Christ? In the midst of storm, he's come. Glory to God. So, the, your primary purpose in Christ is to be like Jesus. And in order for you to fulfill that, the word of God must be a first place in your life. Your value for the word must be first place. Otherwise, you will not fulfill that purpose. Because it is the word of God, the knowledge of the word, principally the knowledge of who you are in Christ, will enable you to fulfill that assignment. Because if, you're, if you lack the character of Christ, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you have. You will never be a testimony. Because you will not project Jesus, you will project you. We saw from John 3.30, he must increase, I must what? Decrease. We are sent here to announce Jesus. Say my life is an altar to announce Jesus. Ask your neighbor, is Jesus speaking through your life? Or is this you that is speaking? Because if, if, if you don't know that your primary assignment is to be like Jesus, you know what will happen to you? You will produce a selfish, corrupt version of Christianity as based on what you want. All it's about you. So you now start using God instead of God using you. You are not using God to blow, like I said. And I said, if you blow, you will bust too. All right? Praise the name of the Lord. You didn't conceive yourself. You don't have enough wisdom to determine what you think your life wants. And I told you that's one of the corruption of the fall in the Garden of Eden. The corruption of man thinking he knows what is best for him. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The Bible said there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. The ways of it are what? Death. The end of death. The end of it is death. If you think because you are smart, you are pretty, you are fine, you are self-actualized and self-whatever, and you want to marry, and you don't need the Holy Spirit to lead you, anything you see, you will take. Do you understand what I'm saying? Did you hear what I said? Anything you see, you will take. Then when the hell breaks loose on you later, don't blame God. Because there are some problems we are having where the one, where the one who created the problem. You don't need to bless what God leads you to do. Because if God leads you, it is blessed. Is that not so? It is when you lead yourself that you'll be asking God to bless what he didn't send you. And in case you don't know, God does not sponsor what he doesn't approve. Did you hear what I said? He doesn't do that. His wisdom doesn't allow him to do that. So, your primary assignment is to be like Jesus. If you're a husband, you should be like Jesus to your wife. If you're a wife, you should be like Jesus to your husband. If you're in a family, your character should reflect the fruit of the Spirit 
which is who you are. Those are more important. And I said, your being like Christ is foundational to every other dimension. Otherwise, anything you do, your selfishness will hijack it. To be about you. You'll be showing off. Are you listening to what I'm saying? I've heard some people talk something. They're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about themselves. They're talking about yourself. Forgetting that anything you have is for the projection of his glory. Why do we fight a lot with frustration? Because we have hijacked God's agenda. And we're trying to run it our way. And when we try to run God's way our way, frustration will always result. Stress will always result. Because you're doing it the way you want. You see, the way God gave, the life Jesus gave us was a free life. Easy life. You know what he said in Matthew 11? He said, come unto me, all you that are labor. Is it me that gave you the labor? No. You gave yourself. That are labor, uh, laden and heavy. I mean, uh, come unto me, all you that are laden. How did you put it? Labor and heavy laden. Yes. Those people who have hijacked God's purpose in their life and agenda and are trying to run their life their way. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. What is rest? I will offload you of those loads you have given yourself. He said, learn of me. Me. Who is me? Jesus. Learn of me. He said, for I am meek and lonely in heart and you will find rest. Are you paying attention? You will find rest to your soul. Your fulfillment is not in your job. Oh. Like I said to them in the first service, there is a level of life that you're just living for survival. It's a level of whatever your hand finds to do, do it. Some people live like that the entire life. And it's a very sad life. Because you live and work on today, your company will tell you, except you are the owner of the company, no matter how dedicated you are, there is a level called retirement age. And it's 55. Is it 55 or 60 now? I can't remember. Even if you don't want to go, they'll tell you to go. Say, we are tired. You have served us enough. Go. They will give you later, like one year or two years, telling you, say, this is the end. Though. According to the law of Nigeria, this is your retirement years. You have to leave us. Eh? We appreciate all your service years of everything. You have to go. So the same job you have told your God will leave you one day. So why you are that is important to understand destiny in Christ. So you can begin to position yourself and respond to that. Say amen. amen. Because in the kingdom of God's setup, you were not created and intended to work for living. You were supposed to work for manifestation or to express. You are not an accident. You are a kingdom citizen. You were sent here on earth to represent Jesus. And there is a unique place you occupy in the purpose and plan of God. You are supposed to fulfill before your time runs out here. Don't spend all those years surviving, hustling. Just marry, bump picking, have children, train them. <laughs> don't try. I don't be else. Not to die, remain. That's a useless life. What kind of life is that one? That's the old Asian trick Satan has played to everybody. So guess what now? We now start trying to atron each other on that. You now find a way, okay, you know, somebody ordered something in the gym. He said, I want my son to go abroad. We join football academy and play with one of those. But let him, I told him, I know you would like to play football, but go and get education first so that if you try football five years, you know blue. <laughs> then you go go work because you get the degree. 
that's man for you. Try an error. Everyone feels that, nah, nah, look, if I can send my children abroad and the school abroad, better for them. Why are they going abroad? Did God tell you to send them there? A man brought his son to Yerebo to pray for. He said during his recent message when he went to preach in church of God mission in their last convention. And the son was crazy. When he got to America, he went to drugs. They forgot that there's a spirit there. And he started running with friend, shot cocaine until cocaine shot him. So he lost his mind. You know, when, you, when you, your son lived, there was one movie I watched, one Nigerian home video, that the man sent his son abroad. I don't know if you have watched that one. So the boy was coming. He now told all his village people to come. Big patio. So he has sent car to go and bring the young boy from the... I've forgotten. It's an old video. To go and bring... I laughed so hard after watching that thing. Send the boy to go and bring him from airport to come. So, and he sent a little delegation that will be blowing music and dancing and beating back when the boy come. You know, expecting he had gone to university to read. You know, because the boy passed. They didn't know. <laughs> Everything was scatter scatter. It was having dreads, was doing yo. So they didn't know that this one was the soul. Maybe they were expecting somebody that was properly dressed. The boy passed. So, ah, was most say, come, is it not this? It looked like a papa. Say, no, no, ah, ah, this one, no, this one, ah, this one, all those uh, uh, funny refrain. Leave his We're looking for a, a responsible man. They not looked at his, ah, they called his name. Say, no, say, that's not my name. That's not my name. Eh? All the music, everything just hung. So <coughs> they were coming. The hands started hanging like this. <laughs> People said, hey, hey, mm. hey, whoa, ah, okay. They entered the car. Why they were beating? The father saw the car coming. Everybody was like, hey, it's coming now. It's coming. When the father saw him, he said, <laughs> this is my son. He said, what happened to you? He said, dad, how are you? Come on, give me five. And you know the man, they will look at the mother. Say, is this your son? What happened to him? He went and imbibed a foreign life. And that's what happens to some of you. You know why you want to go to the US? You think it's a better life. Because of economic reason, because of dollar. So when you go there, yeah, man. I saw somebody who traveled abroad, came back two months. I was talking to me, say, yeah. I said, eh? I said, are you telling me, yeah? <laughs> he said, sorry, sir. <laughs> I say, I say, quick, oh. one month is here already, yeah, man. What is, what do you think you are doing? It's called borrowed life. Who are you impressing me? If you want to impress, but don't impress me. That's what many of us are doing. Some of you, you don't even know what to go. Even while you are here, you are living the fake life, because you're living for survival, forgetting that there's a destiny. Your destiny is divine honor. And you need to understand it. It begins with, first of all, knowing that God called you to become like Jesus. Say amen. amen. To become like Jesus in your character and in your conduct. As you begin to embrace that life, then you will begin to discover areas where through his character you can represent him on earth. And may you find that early in Jesus' name. Amen. I found that early. So informed the university I went to. I didn't go to university because I just wanted to go. I went there because God led me there. I discovered long enough, say, Lord, where, where would you have me go and school so I can serve you? That's what I prayed. 
And that's what I'm going to show you from the word of God. I saw that early enough and I prayed and he guided me. That's how I went to the school. I, went, I had a preference, but purpose had a preference, so I chose purpose. That's how I ended in Portacourt. If not, I'd have been in one West area or maybe abroad somewhere. You know, maybe doing yo like two. Now you say yo, you say yeah. Say yeah. And God, make your life a miserable hell. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I have a destiny. Come on, say that. Say, I have a destiny. And we said your secondary purpose in Christ is to do the good works. Is that not so? Is it not so? For those of you that were here, if you were in the first service, we said the secondary purpose in Christ is to do. Go to Ephesians 2.10, everybody. If you can shoot that on the screen, do that quickly. Ephesians 2, the Bible says, where is workmanship, you can put that translation you did. Workmanship means handiwork or product. Just like a carpenter's finished job is his workmanship, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good work. Say, I've been created unto good works. All right, beautiful. Ephesians 2.10, all right? It says, for we are God's own. You see the word own? That word own speaks of possession. You're born again, you are God's own. Say, I'm God's own. First um, Corinthians 9, uh, 6, I believe, verse 20. Say, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Say to your neighbor, say, you are not your own. The day you got born again, you stop becoming your own. Say, I am God's own. Say it three times. Let me ask you a question. If you are God's own, which life you should live? It's the life. Your joy is living his life, not your life. It is the fall that made us think we had a life outside him. It was the fall of Adam. And it's a deceptive wisdom that has gone from one generation to another generation. And we're still dealing with that. There are three lusts for that. It's called the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and what? The pride. All those three things are the wisdom, the fallen wisdom, or the corrupt wisdom that was given to man that your pleasure is your life. That you can decide what is best for you. You can decide what you think you need without consulting God. Who is your creator and your maker? Praise the name of the Lord. So, we are God's own handiwork, recreated in who? In Christ. Why were we recreated? Because when we were born by our father and our mother, we were born into Adam's sin. Is that not true? But because we were born into Adam's sin, we died. So Jesus came and recreated us through salvation. Say amen. Recreated in Christ, born anew, that we may do what? Are you looking at the board? Oh, you are distracted. Why were you born again? That you may what? Everybody, what did he say? That you may do those. What does those tell you? That means there are, it's not just any work. Did you understand that? You were born again to do those good works, which God did what? Predestined. What does that mean? Planned beforehand for us. Taking parts which he prepared ahead of time that we should do what? We should walk. What does that mean? Living the good life which he pre-arranged and made ready for us to live. Are you going to live his life or are you going to live your own life? Every time you want to make a choice, you don't say, Holy Ghost, what do you have to say? You only use Holy Ghost when you want to blow. What do you have to say, Spirit of God? Can you tell me? Is this the way of God? Is it because you know God's plan for my life? I'm about to make a decision. Will this agree with God's purpose and plan for my life? 
If the Holy Ghost says, no, don't do that. I don't care whether it's an oil company that offered you. If God says, don't go, don't go. But you can say, ah, oil company. Eh, not everybody, they get that kind of opportunity. Eh, go and enter. Then anything you see, you take it. Hallelujah. But we'll see what God's plan is. Say amen. Then we now said those good works are divided into two levels. Is that not so? There is the general good works we have been called to do. Is that not so? All believers. It applies to what? All be- Everybody say all believers. We saw that John 14, 12. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the works that I do shall you do also and what? Greater works because we'll be more. What are those works? We looked at Matthew. The book of Matthew, the book of Luke, the book of Mark. He said, in my name you shall do what? Cast out devils. You will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. God, Jesus has given us the authority of his name to be able to do the works that he did. That's why he said, whatever you demand in my name, I will do it. He's talking about his works. And he gave us the authority to do his work through the name of Jesus. Say, I have authority to use the name of Jesus. And I said, it is no matter whether, I, I don't think I'm prepared. Uh-uh. The name is prepared, use it. Did you hear what I said? What did I say? Say the name of Jesus is always prepared. Say the power of God is always ready. Say amen. Glory to God. Alright, so the power of God is almost ready. So exercise it. Say amen. Alright, then the second level of good work which we began to look at before we stop is... Those good works, and I used three words. You remember what I said? Did you remember what I said? Three words that I used. Those good works refer to those things we've been uniquely graced. Everybody say grace. Every operation, manifestation, action in the kingdom begins with grace. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So things were uniquely, the word uniquely means there are certain things God grace you for that others may not be graceful. Secondly, gifted. Everybody say gifted. What is gifted? God will put abilities inside you. They are called grace abilities. Some of them may be, God might gift you in the area of singing. Like I said, we all generally can sing. Hallelujah. Whether there's key or no key, we can sing. As far as you can talk, you can sing. At least you can primarily worship God. Hallelujah. Can worship God. I, I know Pastor Victor used to be in choir until they drove him away. When he would sing, all the voices would be going like this. His own would be going this direction. But they say, say, Pastor, please don't come here again. Just go and join them there. So he, I saw him say, I said, What are you doing here? I said, They drove me. Ah, in my mind, I said, Thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, everybody has been saying, We have been uniquely gifted. And you need to understand it because where, sit, uh, I mean, where God has gifted you, Satan will fight you. He'll fight you for that. Because he doesn't want you to use your gift to glorify God. He will attack you mercilessly in that area. So you need to be careful. There are three things he can do. He will either convince you to not use the gift or abuse it. That's what happens to secular singers. Those talents they were using is God that gave them. It's God that gave them. And all those things they do is not, they are not glorifying God. Even though they say we give God praise, it's the lie. They're not glorifying God. God didn't send them. Did you hear what I said? Just because you call the name of Jesus on top of it doesn't mean Jesus is on top of it. How many of you know that? Huh? You can't fool God. I'll show you know. 
God cannot be mocked. You can't con God. You can't um, twist God. You can't do everything that you say, we just give God praise. Now God win. Now God win. When you know what you did. You can't con God. Don't do that. Hallelujah. Then I use the third word called. And we say called means invited. Is that not so? Based on the grace God has uniquely given you and the gift he has put in your life, he will call you at certain season to fulfill some assignment. What is assignment? Those good works that has been scheduled for that season of your life to fulfill. Do you understand that? Is that clear? Yeah. He will do that. And that's where seasonal preparation comes in. But let me give you some scriptural example for this so you appreciate that. Say amen. amen. How do we access and manifest this level of good works? It is through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Because it's the one that will show you what God has put inside you. Are you hearing me? In the Bible, Paul was given a spirit-inspired prayer to pray. And I think every believer must be praying. We're praying that in this church. All right, it's in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Everybody go there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says there, and I want you to please look at this. You need to do this. While you are doing your job, I didn't say go and resign. I didn't say that. But while you're walking, doing what you're doing, pray this prayer. Because you're going to live an empowered life when you are living from a purse of destiny. You're not just living to survive. You're living to make impact and to make a difference. Say, I hear you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Because, listen to me. Can I say this? When you understand destiny, your goal is not to be a millionaire or billionaire. You are already wealthy. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Whatever it would take to fulfill your assignment, if it's a billion, you will get it. Go and ask people who became billionaire the God way. They didn't become billionaire because they were looking for billions. They understood destiny, positioned themselves, resources flow. Because the sponsor of every destiny is God. Did you hear what I said? But when you are the one who originates it, you, there are credits you will give to yourself. It is your glory. I, I don't know if you understand me. When people talk about you, they glorify you, not God. So our goal is to live a life of destiny. A life that is sworn to honor Jesus and to fulfill the very purpose for which he has graced us and gifted us. Say amen. Colossians 1 now, are you there? He said, for this reason, or for this cause, since the day we heard, because these people have become born again, and as they become born again, they were loving one another. He said, since we heard from the day you got saved, and you began to walk in love towards one another, we began to pray this prayer for you. That we cease not to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with what? With the knowledge. That word knowledge means, this is very powerful. The accurate knowledge of his will for your life. That word will is simply translated purpose or intent. God has a purpose for your life. God wants you to know his will for your life. So when we say God wants me to know his will for my life. Like I always say, when we talk about the will of God, it's not, everything is not preaching. If God called you to preach, you will know. If he didn't call you to preach, you will also know. There are many who are in ministry today because it's for economic reason. Some are using it to con people. God didn't call them. 
All you need to do if you're truly called and anointed and you sit on that someone, if that person is not called of old, you will know by the Spirit. You will know by the Spirit. If you're a true minister of Jesus, we will know. If you're a minister of yourself, we will know. So, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. I like the expansion. In comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. So, you know he's talking about purpose. Am I making any sense? Yeah. You're, you're, you're fellowshipping with God one day and God says to you, you know what, I need you to go into politics. Say, but Lord, I don't want to. He said, it's not a matter of what you want or you don't want. That's what I shared with you for. It's like saying to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be what? A prophet. That was not what Jeremiah chose. That was what destiny chose for him. See, I put something in you to make him a prophet to the nations of the earth. You may not like it, but that's what I graced you for. That's what I gifted you for. And whatever God has graced and gifted you, that is your element. Do you understand that? That's your place of rest. That's your place of security. That's your defense. That's where heaven partners with you to establish the kingdom of God in the earth. Am I making any sense? All right, so you understand that. Then when you do that, the next verse says, you're going to walk worthy of the Lord. You're going to please him. You're going to be fruitful in every good work. And you also increase in the knowledge of God. There's another scripture. Go to uh, Colossians 4 verse 12. As a, a believer, he's not a minister, but the Bible describes him as a servant of Christ. He was praying for the church in Colossus that they would stand perfect and complete in all the will of God for their life. Uh, Colossians 4 12. Are you there? His name is called Epaphras. He said, Epaphras, who is one of you? He's not even a pastor. Hello? Are you listening to me? It's not a pastor. It was just one of those who were serving in the house. Maybe he was an usher in the church. But he was praying. He took it as a burden to pray. Epaphras, who is one of you? A servant of Christ. We are all servants of Christ. Is that not so? Is that not so? Salutes you, always laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand perfect and what? Complete. In all the will of God. So you may live a life of destiny. And when I looked at this scripture, it dawned on me that Epaphras was praying for them to come, stand perfect and complete in the full revelation of God's will for their life with regards to the works that God has ordained for them to live. Both the general works, hello, are you with me? Because there are many of you who don't know that you can cast that devil. Hello. If I call some of you now and the devil is manifesting through some of you, say, um, Come. Come and tell the devil. Say, no, me, I'm pastor, no, me, you. Now you be pastor now. Do I'm not? No, Who told you that? Where did you hear that from? Who lied to you? It's just like when God asked them, say, Who told you that you were naked? Who have you been listening to? When it comes to the subject of devils and demons and casting out devil, who has been talking to you? Because what Jesus said is that in my name you shall do what? Cast out devils. He said, in my name you will lay hands on the sea. So he was praying for them to know, come to the knowledge of the good works, the general one that we all are to do. Come on, does it not bother you? The way I grew up and I was taught, did it not bother you that since you got born again, you have not laid hands on a sick person once? And it does not disturb you. You are not fulfilling destiny. Because that's your part of your destiny. To pray for sick. To preach the gospel. To lay hands on the sick. Archbishop gave a testimony that challenged us when we were growing up in the faith in the early 80s. 
He, the pastor was preaching one day where um, and Jesus said, you shall lay hands on the sick, they will recover. You shall cleanse the leper, you shall raise the dead. Then he now said, Pastor, excuse me, I have a question. Did you say in the name of Jesus we can raise the dead? He said, they say, you shed it. He said, you shed it. He said, ah, okay. He now asked, he said, have you done it before? He said, no. He said, you have not done it. Okay. He took his bicycle and his uh, Bible and began from morning. He started going from street to street. Any dead body here, any dead person here, any dead person here, from morning till four. Finally, they now met somewhere when they said, a boy just, um, a child just died. Ah, I said, praise God, at last, I've seen a dead person. So he entered inside the place. And he, lay, he said, first of all, when he laid hands on the child, nothing happened. And I said, what am I missing? Then he now took the Bible and followed the same pattern Jesus did. And spoke to the child. And the child came back to life. After that, he took his bicycle, went to the next place. But you know the beauty about it? Why doing the works of God, he encountered people? Because that first dead he raised was a family where his wife, who later married, came from. That's what destiny. Because when you follow destiny, your life is a shadowed life. Stop living as if God is confused about your life. He has planned your life. Did you hear what I said? He has what? He has planned it. You're not agreeing with the terms of purpose. That's why you're looking as if God doesn't like you. He does. He loves you. Praise the name of the Lord. Say amen. amen. God has uniquely graced, gifted, and called each one of us to fulfill a specific purpose at a given season. This specific purpose is a specific revelation of the specific good works we have been graced and called to do. All right? We can only access these seasons in our life or in our destiny by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Paul the Apostle was graced and called into the ministry gift of an apostle, teacher, and a preacher. Let me show you that. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1 and 11. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from NLT. You can read your own Bible, same thing. Just slight choice of words. 2 Timothy. Let's look at where Paul said this. You know, in Paul's writing, you will see where certain promises were made to all believers. Then you also see where, except you are called. If you are not called, don't go there. Say amen. Do what he has called you to do. You remember he said to Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Is that not so? You know the work of an evangelist is referring to the good works on the first level. Preaching the gospel, praying for the sick. We all may not be called to be an evangelist, but we can do the work of an evangelist because the work of an evangelist is the first level of good works that we have been created in Christ to do. Say amen. amen. Glory to God. Say amen. amen. All right, 2 Timothy, maybe we'll stop with this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 11. We see Paul's unique purpose, what shaped his life. Up to this point, Paul had, was a well-lettered man. Somebody say a lettered man. Okay, maybe after this, I'll show you something on that. Let's, let's do this. Second Timothy 1 verse 1. Are you there? I'm reading from NLT, but it doesn't matter. It says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God. To be an apostle. I like the construction of NLT. It explains it where it said, this letter is from Paul. Chosen by what? By the will. That word will means by the purpose. He didn't choose it. The purpose chose him. Did you see that? Did you see that? <laughs> it's not always community. 
and village people started calling me, Pastor, Pastor. They now know that he's a pastor, so you go and start a church. Because how do you know? Say my community people is calling me a pastor. There's nothing like community calling. Do you understand that? There's nothing like that. If you are called to an office of grace, you will know, like Paul knew. On the way to Damascus, he had an encounter with Christ. And through that encounter, he knew where God called him. Up till that point, if you read his letter to the Philippian church, you will understood that turning point in the life of Paul. Up till that point, Paul had lived a life that was a product of his own intelligence, was a product of his own version of life. But he encountered Christ and he understood destiny. And he said a very phenomenal word. He said, all the things that were gained to me, I counted as loss that I may win Christ. Glory to God. So he said, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ. That's his purpose. Now go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. Verse 11. He now listed the things God chose. You see the word chose there? And God chose me to be what? A preacher. The word preacher means an evangelist. An apostle and what? And a teacher of what? Of the, he knew. He knew because the Holy Ghost told him and showed him. That was the specific good works that God had chosen him to do. You all may not be to be an apostle. It may be there will just be this idea of business. And every time you sleep, you keep seeing yourself among this set of people. And you're like, ah, what's going on? And you're always dealing with them. Or some of you may see yourself talking to corporate people. You may see yourself talking to presidents and sitting with them, lecturing them. Ah, That means a season of God for your life is due. And that's what, how do you respond to such season? That's what we're dealing with. Say amen. So Paul said he chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of good news. Now, let me show you this. That's what the Bible called the ministry, the fivefold ministry of grace. Go to Ephesians, I mean Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. In this time, I want good old King James. Yeah, NLT didn't do it well here. King James Version. And I want to emphasize something and we'll take it further in next service. Hallelujah. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm trying to show you from Scripture that has to do with those good works. That God specifically or uniquely graces, gifts us, and calls us to do. Alright? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Are you there? What did he say? Can, can we read the first four words? And he gave. Very good. One more time. And he gave. He gave some. How did he give them? He'll choose them. Some means he didn't give all. Is that not so? Which means not everybody is an apostle. Not everybody is a prophet. Not everybody is an evangelist. Not everybody is a pastor. And not everybody is a teacher. And can I also tell you, no church can make you a pastor if you are not called into one. Even though they are calling you pastor, it will be a, a, an administrative title that you don't have a grace for. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hello. Yeah. Because there's a lot of arrangement now in our setup that doesn't follow the pattern that God is that that God Christ gave to the church. They can't ordain you as a pastor. Sorry, ordination is not to call you to what God has not called you. Ordination is to acknowledge what you are gifted in. That's why you should be mentored. 
when you are mentored and you have a father who relates with you one-on-one, -on -one, you will share your dealings with God with the person. And the person out of wisdom will be able to tell it like Samuel. When Samuel was being called into ministry, he didn't understand it. He was a young boy. But Eli was a seasoned person who had been in ministry for a while. So when the voice of God came to Samuel, 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 he thought Eli was calling him. So he went to Eli and said, Master, you come. He said, no, I didn't call you. So go and sleep. Next thing, he heard it the second time. And he said, Master, I heard you. You called my name. He said, no, I didn't call you. Then when the third time came, Samuel, I mean, Eli decoded. Say, God is calling this guy. He said, next time you hear that, you know what you're going to say? Say, speak for thy servant hears. That was mentoring. That's how people have been groomed and prepared for true calling. You can't just boss out one day and say you fell from the sky. No, no, it doesn't work like that now. There's a process to the things of God. Say amen. So he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. He gave some, not all. Notice the word some implies not everyone, but only the ones who are chosen and gifted by Christ's grace to stand and serve in these capacity. Now, these are not the only callings you have in the Bible. There are people who are called to government. I'll show you some of them next week. People are called to the ministry of help. Some of you may be gifted into the ministry of help and you don't even know that. That means God is going to cause wealth to pass your hand. That's in the Bible. Anything you touch, wealth will pass through. But if you're not destiny-minded, you will turn it into a personal glory. And you will forget that the reason why God is allowing such favor to pass through you is because you have a ministry of help to the church for the expansion of the kingdom and for the furtherance of the word of God. That different gifts. I'm going to show you from the book of Romans and also Corinthians. Different areas of giftings. One, that those who are uniquely called to give. That everybody gives on a general scale. That's what the Bible says. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But there are those who are gifted to give. God puts a grace on them and they give. And they know. And they serve God under that. That those who are called to exalt, different, different gifted. How do we do it? Two things I'm going to look at next Sunday is how do you respond to your seasonal purpose in God? When God begins to, you begin to sense, you're going to have some set of dreams, revelations, or visions. How do you respond to it? We're going to talk about that next Sunday. Then I'm going to share with you wisdom, seasonal wisdom to handle such phases. They were done with it. Say good amen. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like these.